Amen. Good morning. So you're already there. If you have a Bible, you're in the app, you're already probably at Proverbs 15. In a few minutes, I'm going to have you scroll through, and, and uh, we're going to switch over to Proverbs 18 in a minute, so just be prepared for that if you would. We've been in this series of Proverbs. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with the Bible, or if this is your first time at it with Proverbs, Proverbs are basically short, pithy sayings that give us a truth, a, a truth of wisdom. They're truisms, not promises. In other words, when this happens, this is typically the outcome of this, right? Not a promise like, if you do this, then God promises that, but rather truth, right? That if you save and you have a, a savings account, when tough times happen, you're more prepared. Now, that doesn't prevent tough times. It does, however, make you more prepared. So these are truisms. This is wisdom given to us by God through an author named Solomon. Solomon writes down these 31 chapters, and he writes them to his son. Now, as that, it's really fatherly advice, as Pastor Matt was saying, written to his children. And so for us today, this is God's wisdom given to us. And so we spent some time in January talking about planning and finances and what the Bible has to say about those things. And then as of last week, we kind of shift gears into what does the Bible say about behaviors? And I can say, for example, our community group last Thursday night, we were deeply engaged around behaviors. And we talked about how that relates to parenting, how that relates to ourselves. What do we do when we see a behavior that we know is not Christ-like? How do we work through that? We went around, we have a, a smaller group, and we were able to talk about different struggles we have. And that's, uh, just to pick up where Pastor Matt was, that's a part of being a family. And so today, as we look at this, we're going to talk about another behavior and talk about something that God has given all of us, and it's speech. It's how we communicate. And so it's more than just audible words. It's our speech. It's different things that, that we use to communicate to others. Now, when we talk about speech in the gospel, a lot of times we kind of, our minds either go to either the proclamation of the gospel, telling people about Jesus, or on the other side, maybe uh, foul language. And really, neither one of those things are really what we're getting after today. That there's just so much more that the Bible says that our speech impacts. And so if you're a note taker, our notes are in the app. If you're one who can write really fast, great. Let me give you a place to start. We are to steward our speech as a God-given instrument that reflects the gospel, and we are to be responsible for what our speech causes in others. So you heard it. We're to be responsible for the things that our speech causes. And we're going to look at several verses because a lot of times this is an area where humanity in general pushes back. And so we understand we're that we have speech, we probably don't know that we're supposed to steward our speech as a God-given instrument that reflects the gospel. And oftentimes we kind of rankle at the idea of being responsible for what our speech causes in others. And so if you're, if you're our guest today, um, all these notes are in the app. You can find them there. Uh, if you need them or you miss something, please, uh, by all means, let me know at the end of the message. And we're going to dive in to what Proverbs gives us about practical wisdom, if you would, theology for life uh, in this area. And I'm going to ask that we would pray one more time, and we're going to open up the Bible. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we love you. We are grateful that we get to come today and that we get to worship you. Jesus, you're the God who entered into humanity, put on flesh, lived, died, and rose again. 
And Jesus, none of us can say that. That we live and, and we don't live the way that we're all called to live. You have. We know we fall short, every one of us, all the time. And we're not making excuses for that, but Jesus, oftentimes in our speech, we fall very short. As we meet today, as we gather today, here's my prayer, Jesus. Would you speak to us? May I fade somewhere into the background, and will you speak? Jesus, frankly, my words do nothing, and your words give us life. And we need life. And we need to hear what you have to say about our speech. So, Jesus, will you speak? We are listening. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Proverbs 15 starting in, I don't know how I got way down there. All right, starting in verse 1, says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So here's where he is starting off. Solomon is starting off right there in the thick of it, saying, Our speech has impact on others. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The idea that what we say has either a positive or a negative impact on others is really kind of the basis of what I want to press into today. So uh, our responsibility, our next slide, please. How we speak can control the outcome of situations, which makes us responsible for the outcome of our speech. We can't control everything, but there are many things we can, and by our words and by our language and how we choose to speak to one another, we are responsible for the outcome of that. If a soft answer turns away wrath then we're accountable to give soft answers even when people are not, maybe soft answer isn't what we want to give, right? But that we, are, that we know that words have impact. And I know I grew up with that little nursery rhyme that sticks and stones may break my bones, but names can never hurt me, right? Did you guys, am I alone in that? Am I the only one? I mean, I know my mom was crazy, but I, I, she had me. I mean, like, so, but you've heard that, right? Here's what I can tell you. Many, many, many years later, I remember many of the names have been called. Do you? Sometimes those words leave indelible marks on our life. And yes, sticks and stones may hurt, but our words do have implication. I know that the speech I use that I am accountable for and that it causes either it can soften or pour water on a bad situation or it can harshen, if you will, or pour gas on a fire, it can make it worse. And so if that's true, if I have that kind of control, if my speech has an impact, then what God would say to us is that we need to be accountable. I need to be accountable for my words. I need to be accountable for my speech and how it interacts with others. Verse 2, it says, the tongues of the wise, the tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. If you're just joining us today or if you've been here a week or two, one of the things we've really looked at in Proverbs is the four types of people that Solomon talks about. He talks about the young, the simple, the wise, and the fools. And the young are like children. When we think about young people, we have different expectations for them. They're young. We expect them to know or do or act less responsibly than we would an adult. The simple are those that are unlearned. And I often use the example of the fact that I am unlearned in many areas. Microbiology, not my thing, right? 
So I'm simple in that area, and that's okay. When we, when we think of being ignorant of something, ignorant tends to have that negative connotation, but I am ignorant of many of the sciences, if you will, or advanced math. Yeah, I, it just, I am. Now, that doesn't mean I couldn't learn it, and if it impacted my daily life, I'm called to figure it out, but in many areas, I'm just simple. And then there's wisdom and foolishness, and foolishness are, fools are the ones who have been taught and are choosing not to apply it to their lives. And simply put, the wise are those who have been given truth and wisdom, and they apply it to their lives. And so really, Proverbs has these four categories of hearers, the young, the simple, the wise, and the fool. And what that does, it just gives us an opportunity today to say, okay, I'm, I, might be, I might be simple in an area, I might be young. I might be foolish. I might have heard this before and not applied it, but I have an opportunity at wisdom. I have the opportunity today to say, okay, I know my speech has consequences, but I, but I haven't really allowed that to shape my speech. But today we have the opportunity to say, okay, maybe I'm being foolish in this area, or maybe I've never been taught, maybe I'm simple in this area, or maybe, maybe you're young. I don't really qualify for that one anymore, but maybe you're young, right? But we have a choice in how we move forward from today. We have an opportunity to press in to wisdom. Verse 3 and 4 says this, that the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. So Proverbs says, listen, God is everywhere. Right? Theologians like to call that omnipresent, that God is present everywhere. And that God knows all things, that he's omniscient right? That he knows, in other words, for our study today, he knows everything. He is everywhere. God is that. And then it moves right into the effects of our speech. So God knows every word we say. Words we say in anger, words we say in fear, words we say in hurt and pain, words we say in joy, words we say on social media, right? That he is everywhere, and then it moves right into the area that we're talking about of speech. Will you flip over to verse 18? And I want to give you a, a note that we can take with us, we can talk about in community groups. Words give life or they cause death. Solomon tells us that our words can either breathe life into people or cause them deep pain. God calls us to be accountable for every word we speak. And, and in working through the notes for this and, and just thinking through what we would talk about today. Where I go are some things that were said to me when I was young, some things that were said to me years ago that have left marks. And then I also had an opportunity, I got a phone call uh, just yesterday from a friend, and he called to tell me that something I said to him uh, made him feel good, right? That it encouraged him, that it showed him in an area he was struggling through and working on that he had gained some ground there. And so I'm just thinking through how my words have negatively affected others and how they can positively affect others. Like we can really give life with our speech or we can really cause pain. And so when we, when we press down into that, we've got to understand that, that because of that power, because of the power that words do have, God holds us accountable. That God holds us accountable for what we say. So Proverbs 18, we're going to start in verse 2. It says this. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. All right, so I said it already. We'll, we'll go ahead and go there. Social media, right? 
So most of us are on some form, if not multiple forms of social media. So let me just put this up here. If God were to measure your faith based solely on your speech via social media, how would you measure up? If you were to, if I were just to look at your social media page, if I was just to go through that, what would I walk away with? And I don't mean, listen, and hear me when I say this. I don't mean because you post or repost things that have Christian slogans or Bible verses on them. That's fine. But when you really engage in a conversation with someone and when, so, when the words come out of you, what would, what would I learn about? What would I see about you? What would you see about me? I know my wife and I, we thought about this long ago, uh, long before, let's just say long enough ago to be talking about MySpace. And so it's been a while, right? And we just talked about being in ministry. We, uh, you know, I was, we were planting a church at the time. And we were just talking about our roles in leadership and, and what that means for us. And I, I remember making the decision that my personal page would be a ministry page. That, mean I, that means I would not engage in a lot of things online that I might want to engage in. Like that I wouldn't engage in the back and forth that people get into. And I, I haven't been perfect in, perfect in that area, but I, I kind of put some guardrails around my social media profile and just said, okay, listen, I'm gonna, I want people to be able to see this and not get pushed away from the gospel for any reason. And so that means I can engage in things about the gospel and I can push for truth, but I will always be thinking about all the people that I am friends with on social media, people that I am in relationship with, many that are atheists and agnostics, some that are uh, of different religions and different backgrounds. I wanted to make sure that my presentation of myself did nothing to negatively affect the gospel. What if we were to look at the words you have chosen to use, the conversations you have chosen to engage in, the things that you have decided were appropriate for you to vent and say on social media? Right, we're coming out of a last, this last year, two years of heated polit political rhetoric, right? Where everybody has had something to say, uh, including those in power often, right? And I just... As I read this verse, I want to read verse 2 to you again. It says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only expressing his opinion. As I spill. Yes, I know. You saw it. Sorry. It's been a long week. All right. We are encouraged to share and express our opinions. We are not necessarily encouraged to understand other people's point of view. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's talk about trying to be sympathetic with others or understand where they're coming from, but even, even those that promote that the most oftentimes aren't listening. But we're encouraged to, to weigh in, to vote, to engage, to do these things. I don't mean vote like politically. I mean to take polls on social media, things that have really no impact on much, Right? But we're asked to give our opinions, even in areas where we don't know a whole lot. And we feel free to express those opinions. And it says this, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his or her opinion. And again, I just ask myself, I know God doesn't necessarily judge my faith by my social media profile, by the things I say, but in a sense, we are responsible for that. What do those things say about us? 
Back in, in verse 3, it says, When wickedness comes, contempt comes also. And with dishonor comes disgrace. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. There's a deep dichotomy. There's a deep difference. There's a deep separation between the positive outcomes of the things we say and the negative outcomes of the things we say. We can do deep damage or we can have huge uh, positive impact. Like the words we choose to do, the things we allow ourselves to engage in can have those kind of impact. It says that uh, a man's words or a man's mouth is deep water. And this Again, Solomon writing to his son, so ladies, this is all for you as well, that men and women, what we have to say often is deep. Our words often have deep impact. And that we would understand within the lens of the gospel that our speech matters. Now, here's not what I'm saying. I'm not talking about what is politically correct or incorrect. That's a a thing you're going to have to weigh into and figure out where you land and all that. And I'm not talking about To be a good person, you need to speak this way. Not at all what I'm saying. But when the gospel has taken root in your life, when when Jesus has come in and transformed you, and you now are a reflection of Jesus, that in the gospel, with, with Jesus transforming your life, it should show up in your speech. That it should come out in the things that you engage in and the things you don't engage in. It should come out in your word choice. It should come out in your tone and in your timing. It should come out. The gospel should be shown through you. If, if, if we believe what we say we believe, if we believe that God created us and designed us and loves us, and that he has called us to live in relationship with him. If we believe that there is a design to our lives that God made and that we have been given, and if we believe that we have jacked that all up, if we believe that our sin has messed up what God has created, and I mean the sin we've inherited, the sin we participate in, the sin we'll hand off to our kids, I mean all, all of it. If we believe that that has messed up the plan, the design of God, if you will, And if we believe that God loved us so much that he couldn't leave us in that brokenness, in that death, in that separation from God. And so God himself, Jesus, entered into human flesh. And Jesus lived the life that you and I are called to live. Lived that life of glorifying God with everything he did. Without fail, Jesus glorified God with every word that came out of his mouth. And that doesn't mean just the ones that are talking about God, but even in his personal life and and his public life and the conversations with people that he got along with and didn't get along with. And if we believe that that Jesus who lived the way we have been called to live but have failed, he went on to give his life for us. That Jesus, when he was nailed to a cross, he was nailed literally, visibly hanging between God and humanity, between heaven and earth, and that he hung there outstretched as a mediator between a sinful humanity and a holy God. And if we believe that he did that for us, and that when he was laid in the ground, our sins were covered, and that when he rose from the dead, he gives us new life, then we must understand if we're to live in that new life, it must have implication in our speech. Are you guys sleepy this morning or like, are we, are you with me? 
If this changes everything about us, this should then come out in how we communicate with other people. If Jesus has ascended to be seated on the throne, the throne in which he deserves and the throne in which he belongs on, and he has poured out his spirit to be in us, then that needs to have implication in how we speak. And that doesn't, again, just mean that we need to speak about Jesus, and yes, we need to do that. That yes, that if, if, if we are followers of Jesus, if we believe that he has been the solution from us, being, wherever we were in life, to, to really being fulfilled in life, to being God's own, if we believe that Jesus is that piece of the puzzle, then yes, of course, we should speak about Jesus. We should share the gospel with others. And I, I, just, I often use just a simple explanation. I, I get a new iPhone, I tell everybody in the world, Right? I tend to get it earlier than others, can't wait, can't stop talking about it. Like, if something so simple causes me to speak, then why would I not talk about the creator of the universe who has deeply transformed my life? Not that I'm perfect, but he's changed a lot of things. So, yeah, it means that speech, and it, but it doesn't just mean that. And it's not just about foul language or words we should say or shouldn't say. But it's about how every word that comes out of our mouth has implication. And then how it affects others I'm accountable for. That if we are being transformed by Christ into his image through the power of the Holy Spirit, then our speech should start to look that way. That means our speech when I'm, we're speaking one-on-one. -on -one. That means our speech in public when others are listening. That means our speech via social media. That means our speech with our children and our spouses our family, our parents, that this should change how we speak to one another. Verse 5 says this, It is not good to be partial to the wicked or to deprive the righteous of justice. A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. That's just too good not to talk about, right? A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. I was like, okay, how are we, it's just too good to pass up. How, how are we going to, and then I thought everything that came to my mind to say about this verse will probably get me in trouble. So I'm going to demonstrate how speech has an impact. And I'm just going to shut up and let you read that. And it says this, a fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. You just sit with that and figure out how that relates to you. And figure out how we understand how speech has implication. And how foolishness sometimes has immediate consequence. And again, remember what foolishness is. It's not being unlearned. It's having learned it and not applied it. It means when you've been given the truth and you've taken that and said, yep, don't need it. And you go on about your way. And you time and time again find yourself in the same trouble. That's foolishness. Verse 7 says, a fool's mouth is ruin, is his ruin, and the lips, and his lips are a snare to his soul. The words, verse 8, of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. The whispers being spoken about here is gossip. If there is a common sin in the church, gossip's got to be in the top, top things. I was thinking through this yes, uh, yesterday as I was just kind of going back through my notes. And here's what I can tell you. 
Uh, as Pastor Matt was talking about earlier, we love the multiplication of churches. And so just in the last four months, we have sent out two groups to start new churches, one into L.A. and one uh, into the other side of Long Beach or into the middle of Long Beach. And so we love sending out folks, and we will encourage people and say, hey, listen, if you feel called to this, we believe you should go. And we get behind our leaders, and we equip them and train them and support them and love them, and then we send them out publicly and joyfully. And that takes people often out of our church. Uh, last time, by the dozens, uh, we sent out. And so two churches at the end of last year left us with uh, many good leaders. We've committed to sending out our best and that means we kind of sometimes scrambled to figure out, okay, now we just sent this out and this was this big key component to our church. And I was just thinking through that and I can tell you this, with 99% surety, I believe that gossip took more people out of our church in 2017 than church planting did. That people saying things about people or about leadership or about whatever, and, and, and this is not to say that I'm perfect or not to say I don't do anything wrong. This is just to say that gossip, I believe, took out more people than church planting. Here's a definition if you have it. Casual or unconstrained conversation about others who are not present. Anything said in secret and not out in the open. Now, before you say, listen, man, anything I say, I'm willing to say about them to their face, push pause. We'll get to that in a minute. You're not off the hook. But when we say things in private that are not being said in public, in fact, when we dread, the, here's, and, and the church tends to want to dress these up, like, can you pray for Sister Susie? She's pregnant again. I don't think she knows who the dad is. Or can you pray for our brother George? You know he drinks, right? You can dress it up in can you pray for him. But when you're speaking about people and running them out and telling things about people, you're gossiping. I know that would never happen in this group, right? I think this hurts churches probably more than moral failures and all kinds of damage. Gossip. Verse 9, whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. He says this, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. He's talking about speaking of God, about holding God, about worshiping. Now, when we say the word worship, it includes what we do here. When Joe is up here and his team and his band, and they're up here, and they're leading us in praise and worship through music, but worship is, is also far more than that. It's, it's what we are called to do with our entire lives. But it is how we proclaim God and hold God high in our lives with our speech. And it says this. It says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous, righteous man runs into it and is safe. Verse 11. A rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his imagination. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. But humility comes before honor. Last week was our first message through uh, what Proverbs has to say about various behaviors. And in our community group, we drilled down on some. We took the ones that were in the passage, and then we, we just talked about some other ones. And really, one of the things that, that has to be said about transforming behaviors in your life is this, it, it's, it begins in humility. Pride tends to cause us to continue to be stupid or foolish. Pride causes us to say, no, it's, that's not me. 
I don't need to work on that. That's their problem. Or, well, I just said the truth. That's their problem. Again, don't think you're off the hook. We'll get there. But how really, how we think through speech and how we, how we think through our behaviors, how we think through our lives and, and what our lives say about Jesus, the right response for all of us all the time is to start in humility. It's to start by just kind of laying ourselves down and go, you know what, we don't have it all together. I don't, you don't, we don't. We just don't have it all together. And humility allows us to be in a position of repentance before God and one another. It allows us to be in a, a position where we can really receive forgiveness and healing from God. It allows us to be in a position where others can speak into our lives and give us wisdom. But arrogance, pride, or haughtiness, as it says here, removes all those things from us. And really what happens is then we have to wait until God breaks us of something. Humility is a place we should all be, bar none, all of us. Jesus says it this way in Matthew. Do you have that? There you go. How can you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. The evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. So here's Jesus saying it, so you don't have to believe me. I am reading from scripture, that does give it some weight, but you don't have to believe me. Here's Jesus saying it right here. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. So we're accountable for our words. We're accountable for the impact that they have in them. In fact, can you go to the next slide, please? Here's what Jesus, when I read this, here's what I hear from him. Our speech is driven by our heart. This is not a behavioral issue. That was the main point last week, that we don't have behavior problems. We have belief issues or heart issues, if you will. We're not to just try and change our behaviors. We're to dig deeper and figure out why we're doing what we're doing and get at the cause of the things that we do that we don't have behavior problems, we have belief problems or heart problems. Jesus says that our speech is driven by our heart. Our heart controls our behavior, and then Jesus tells us clearly we're accountable for every word we speak. Now, that scares me a bit, because I've said a lot of things I wish I'd never said. I've said a lot of things, and I don't mean 20 years ago, I mean like last week. Like, I just wish I could have gone back and said it differently. Some things came to mind about just things when I've said no to a staff member. The way I've said no, rather than trying to find a way, as an old mentor of mine used to say, let's, let's try and find a way to get to yes. But where instead, because I was in a hurry or I was tired, whatever I was, just no. It just kind of broke his soul a little bit. I wish I could go back and do that differently. And Jesus says, listen... You need to be accountable for your speech. Verse 13, it says, If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. This is a great verse on speech. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and his shame. Why is this so bad? What do you think? All right, I'll answer it. <laughs> Next slide. I was trying to get a drink while you guys answered. That didn't work at all. Answering before listening. When we answer without listening, it shows we aren't really listening. And an arrogance, thinking we know what everyone else needs before they say it. I do this a lot. 
What's worse is I kind of know where the conversation is going. It doesn't mean I'm wrong about where it's going. But what it really says is I don't need to listen to you. I've already got the answer. I don't like how it sounds coming out either, right? When we speak without listening, we're not really listening. And in arrogance, we're speaking, thinking we know. This one hits home for me. This is one where I'm like, okay, I need to be quick to listen, right? Slow to speak. You guys know the verse, right? I need to hear out my wife before I respond and not just think I have the answer. Even if the answer is still the same answer. That, in, that just in love that I need to hear my bride, right? Verse 14, a man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit, who can bear? A man's spirit will endure a lot of things, but a crushed spirit, meaning the, the outcome of words, when you crush someone's spirit, he says, who can bear that? So again, I know I've, I'm kind of beating this uh, to death, but words have impact. In a world that encourages venting and careless speech, like social media, we must understand that our words have actual impact, calling us to be more responsible with our speech that our words really do have an impact and that we, need to do, that we need to understand that. That in a world that has built platform after platform, Twitter, Facebook, and the rest, that have encouraged us to vent, that have called us to speak out on topics we don't know the first thing about, where we will accuse people, identify people by some kind of uh, identity or phrase or illness or something, that we will do these things and there's no repercussion. And we will do them from the quiet of our home with no impact. Words we would never say to that person face to face. Yet we will feel free to voice that without consequence. Verse 15, an intelligent heart acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. The ear of the wise seeks knowledge. We talked about this last week. We went over it again in our community group. I think it bears saying again. Much of the wisdom I have comes from making stupid decisions. Okay? Look, fire. Psst, ow! Don't do that again. Wisdom. Okay. Stupidity, we touch it again. A lot of it comes from my own mistakes. You don't have to learn that way. You can learn from my mistakes You can learn from the truth of scripture. You can learn from those around you. Those of you that are living with your parents still, children or or otherwise, can learn from those who are older than you, especially your parents. Wisdom can be caught just by listening. You don't have to do the dumb things I've done. You don't have to burn yourself to know fire is hot. You can learn from those around you. If you're a parent in here, you know this is exactly what you want your kids to hear. You want them to learn from mistakes others have made rather than enduring the, co- enduring the consequences of those mistakes. That's what we all want. That's what I want for you. It's what you want for all of us. And then we have that opportunity if we're humble and we listen. It says a man's gift, meaning his speech, makes room for him and brings him before the great. Now I'm going to go through a bunch of notes really quick. Your, your community groups have these verses and these notes. And, I, and I, I'm asking that you would unpack those in your community group. And so, yes, I'm asking that you'll send those out to our community groups, that we have them, that you will send them out, that you will discuss them on Thursday and walk through these. So I'm going to go too fast. There's too many of us to understand how they relate to all of us. But verse 17 says this, the one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. Here's two ways of looking at that. 
Is your speech true and honest? Proverbs 14 says, a truthful witness saves lives, but the one who breathes out lies is deceitful. Next one. The words of God are always truthful. Proverbs 30 says, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. It says, the one who comes first, you believe, until someone comes and corrects them, right? Is your speech truthful and honest completely? Is it shaded to your favor, or is it just straight down the center honest? Verse 18, the lot puts an end, meaning uh, the lot, like when they, uh, like flipping a coin almost. The lot puts an end to quarrels and decides between powerful contenders. Here's two things for you. Is your speech argumentative, or does it bring peace? Proverbs 15 says, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. When in disagreement, what does your speech do to the disagreement? Next one. Gracious speech. He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king as his friend. Does do, I'm trying to do this in English. Do your words bring grace or not? Verse 19, we'll finish these last three verses here. A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city, and quarreling is like the bars of a castle. From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Can you be honest? Can you be right? Can you be true and still be wrong? Yes. By the way you say things and by the timing in which you say them, you can be both right and true and still be dead wrong. Proverbs 13 says this. There's speech. Next one, please. Speech has consequences. Again, from the fruit of his mouth, a man eats what is good, but the desire is treacherous for the, is for violence. Excuse me, but the desire of the treacherous is for violence. The next one I was looking for. Skillful and unskillful uses of speech, like the timing of it. Proverbs 27 says this, Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing. You all know we just moved into a house recently about two weeks ago. There are two things we did not know about our new home. One is that we're right by a train. And two, our neighbor has chickens. My dog is going to be really well fed, though, in the near future. So I see even good speech, gracious speech, untimely, can be wrong. It's not like just don't say this and yes, say this. It's nuanced. It's tough. It requires wisdom and it requires practice. But what it first requires is humility from us. It requires a desire to love others more than ourselves. It requires that I love my wife more than I love being right. And I can hear her laughing. So that ought to just, we should pray and just ask God to help. No, you hear me? The gospel transforms lives. Those things will come out. And the way we speak. Jesus says out of the good that comes out of a good man's heart will come good speech. Out of the bad that comes out of evil men's hearts will come bad speech. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We know 
that you found a way to live on this earth without sin. Yes, you're God, but you are also fully human. You found a way to, to speak of God in ways that always glorified him, to speak to others, some who were right, some who were wrong, some who were sinful, some who were self-righteous, some who were pious. Lord, you found a way to speak in all those settings honestly, rightly, graciously, and truly. Jesus, you even found a way when people defiled the faith and extorted the poor to even be angry in a way where your speech was even right there. Probably not something we have a handle on. But Jesus, you show us that there is a way to glorify God with every word we have. My prayer for this group, for our church, for us, for me, Lord. Will you teach us wisdom and speech? Will you grant us your spirit inside of us that we might begin to glorify you with every word we have? Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen.